0: Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get
1: to the show. My name is Simon, and with me is Steve Olser. He's a New York Times bestselling author, international keynote speaker, and co-founder of Liquor.com. Steve has appeared on CNN, Fox Business, and other national outlets. He's also the founder of Reinvention Radio. Steve, if you could teach everyone in the world one thing, what would it be?
0: Wow. Um, (laughs) Just just one thing, huh? Uh, All right. So let's see. That one thing, I think, more than anything, has to be just, look, reality is that you are naturally wired to do certain things pretty well, and uh, naturally wired to suck at other things. So uh, I would say figure out how you're naturally wired to excel and just focus on that. Kind of like
1: Gary Vaynerchuk's style of self-awareness?
0: Well, you know, uh, I would say that Gary and I definitely share a a lot of the same thoughts on things. I I happen to call it your what, and uh, others call it different things. But yeah, definitely. uh, That's certainly something Gary has said uh, in the past, no doubt.
1: Steve, what are some of your strengths?
0: Well, you know, I've kind of got the gift for gab, man, and uh, and that takes uh, the form of either speaking like this or it takes the form of writing. Uh, but pretty much the written word. I mean, that, that's the that's the biggest strength that um, you know that I bring to the table, no doubt. And uh, and other than that, you know, man, I'm, uh, I'm a connector. I just uh, really do seem to be pretty good at uh, meeting folk and um, making sure that they know other folks that they should know. But uh, but more importantly, I think. Uh, Outside of all of that is I just in sort of using that Wayne Gretzky term, I seem to have a pretty good sense of where the puck is going and uh, and try to get there before everybody else.
1: Yeah, you're definitely a people's person and connector. When you go to Steve's website, you can see him standing next to a bunch of celebrities, including President of the United States Barack Obama. Steve, tell me that story.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that is pre-presidential days. It was right, uh, right when he was uh, getting ready to leave the Senate to pursue the presidential uh, candidacy. And at the time, I lived in Chicago and had lived in Chicago actually up until uh, just a couple of years ago. And, uh, and so that was a, a private fundraiser for him to help him get his presidential campaign going. And, uh, and of course, being in a small room like that, uh, there was many a photo op, and uh, and that deer in the headlights one there turned out uh, to be the best of the ones that I had to choose from.
1: Yeah, has this photo helped you along the way?
0: Not at all, zero, zip, nada, nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, man, it's interesting, right? I mean, you would think that with all of the different ways that uh, you know that people can connect with others and show that they know people, and you know, this, that, and the other. It doesn't translate really to anything in terms of folks (laughs) getting, uh, you know, getting uh, in line to pay you something. So uh, unfortunately, I'd like to say that it uh, does more than it actually does. But, you know, you still got to do the work.
1: Steve, let's go back a bit. Uh, You've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Tell me about the moment when you realized that you were an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever not realized I was an entrepreneur and I don't think you wake up one day and you go, you know, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I just think you either are or you aren't. I mean, it's one of those things where for me being an entrepreneur meant, look, I'm old enough to pick up a rake and move some leaves around. So I'm going to go and uh, walk door to door and see if I can rake some leaves or same thing with a shovel, you know, go door to door with the shovel and see if we can uh, shovel snow and, you know, make a make a few bucks that way. And yeah, you know, I mean, that just kind of converged, just, uh, I don't know, it just kind of converged over the years into various different entrepreneurial endeavors, nightclubs, radios, dot coms, real estate, speaking, writing, teaching, you know, all of those things. But yeah, I just, I think it's either in the blood or it's not. I don't think you can learn how to be an entrepreneur. I just don't. That
1: is quite interesting. A lot of people have mixed opinions about that question. So you believe that you cannot become an entrepreneur. And if you don't have that DNA running through your veins, you shouldn't even try?
0: I don't think that they should give up on the idea of being an entrepreneur. I mean certainly the you know the fact is if you can learn on someone else's dime, uh, that's even better. So if you have a day job, uh, that's a perfect time for you to think about getting into your own thing if in fact that's something you believe you are wired to do because that way people are paying for your education, they're paying for your transition. Steve, I want to go
1: back a bit uh, on your journey as an entrepreneur and talk about hardships you've had in your past because I know that being an entrepreneur isn't always easy. Could you walk the audience through a challenge or a major obstacle you had in your past and how you became that?
0: Well, I have had no shortage thereof. For me, you know, Failure is really just sort of that, mm, it's kind of like a, a term that weak-minded people like to throw out at those who dare to soar and attempt to bring them down. So, I mean, I don't really think there is any such thing as failure. I like to view failure as success with an unintended ending. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, that, that's kind of how I look at it. And, you know, for me, uh, it's taken various forms over the years. I had a nightclub, as I said, that I opened uh, when I was 19, uh, by the time I was 21, I walked away from it all and had to, had to end up, uh, basically just giving it, uh, to the, uh, to the partner that I had and, uh, and walked away with, with really nothing. Um, dot coms, man, I got blinded by the dot com light, had a company that, uh, we had been doing pretty good with and, uh, we had the S1 filed. Uh, we were ready to go public and unfortunately that was March of 2000 uh, and that's when, of course, everything imploded and didn't have a chance to uh, to take the company public, walked away from the company that I had built after nine years uh, with literally nothing. So no doubt there. And then, of course, I got to uh, real estate. If you know anything about the the background of mine, I did real estate uh, development for a number of years. And what ended up happening was when the crash took everybody down in 2006, uh, it took me right down with it, so I uh, unfortunately lost a number of properties and uh, still battling a few battles, uh, battles on that front uh, as we speak. But uh, but yeah, I mean there was uh, there was millions of dollars that were uh, that were lost, n- no doubt at all. So yeah, man, no no shortage of failures, but uh, I think it, at some point here it actually does make you at least a little bit smarter.
1: Yes, Steve, you've been really good with giving up and walking away on businesses and actually making the right decisions. When do you know that something isn't worth your time and money? How do you validate an ongoing project?
0: Well, you know, I do think that there comes a time where you literally just hate what you're doing. (laughs) And, And if you get to that point where you literally just hate what you're doing, that's a pretty big clue. Now, hating what you're doing, of course, is a relative term you could hate what you're doing simply because you really don't like the people that you work with and in some cases those are the people that you have hired and chosen to hire or chosen to partner with and so you know there are times where sometimes you have to walk away from uh from whatever it is that you built i mean it um it happens and it's not fun when it happens but yeah there are times when you literally have to walk walk away from what it is that you built
1: Yeah, and it's quite challenging to walk away on something that you've put a lot of time into and you're probably really passionate about. So it's always an ongoing challenge.
0: Steve, what is something that is really working for your business right now? It's a great question, you know, because reality for me is I think that there are just so many different bright, shiny objects that come to the table every single day that you just can't possibly... Keep up and and to move from one to the other to the other to the other, I mean, I just don't think it's like that farmer you know who's got the field that is full of half dug holes right and if he had just kept digging in that one hole, he would have hit you know oil or gold or you know whatever it is that he's digging for and and I do see that quite a bit that people just keep jumping from platform to platform for me. Uh, right now, I still just really enjoy doing the radio show. I mean, I've been doing the radio show off and on since 2009 and more full time now uh, for the last 16, 18 months. And uh, and the radio show that ends up becoming our podcast, uh, I really like that, you know, and it's certainly something that uh, I think works pretty well. I hope you don't
1: mind, but I want to talk about your podcast a bit because you've had a lot of success with it. You just had Pat Flynn on your podcast for example tell me how has your podcast evolved over time
0: you know it's uh it's interesting the the platform certainly has evolved and there are people who will tell you you know it's been a platform of well of some of the best in the world for for a lot of years and and, and they're right you know i mean it It certainly has been a platform that many of the best in their respective fields have been using for a long time. But it just seems like once NPR, you know, once NPR kind of got into the mix with Serial and their other shows, uh, that it's really starting to take off. And now that Wi-Fi is coming into the cars, I mean, I think that we're going to see it take another hockey stick jump here. Uh, And for me, that's the biggest difference is the people that were in it before uh, were more techies and just really enjoyed the medium and did it because they liked the medium. And now uh, it's more commercial, more mainstream. And, uh, you know, of course, that's a double-edged sword. Yeah. If you look
1: back to podcasting history, a lot of people got started six, seven years ago because the market was just growing. It was just starting off and there was a lot of money to be made. So it was kind of like a gold rush thing. Steve, what was the reason for you to get into podcasting in the first place?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it was a long, a long time ago already. Um I just really, radio's always been a first love. It's always been a first love for me. And the idea of being able to do something where I can speak my mind, where I can invite people onto the show and kind of open the door in a way uh, that, frankly, you can't always do. I mean, like what you're doing now, this is a fairly new phenomenon back in 2009 you didn't have a lot of chances here man to do these kinds of things like these summits and these interviews and whatnot so we had to go to traditional radio uh and that's what we that's what we do is we did traditional radio and there just seemed to be something about hey join me on my radio show uh that gets people to to stand up and say sure you know tell me where and when and i'll be there
1: yeah we live truly in an amazing era i can talk to you while being thousands of miles away and still publish the podcast online which is Amazing, Steve. I want to talk about your book. Uh, It's called "What Is Your What: Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do." What was the reason you wrote that book, Steve?
0: Well, God, I uh, I think I wrote it mostly because it is uh, it's just one of those books that I most needed. You know, I mean, I think in authorland they say that you write the book that you most need, and I've always kind of struggled with that question of. You know, who am i why am i here what is it that you know i really really want to be doing and am naturally wired to excel at and i tried the what color is your parachutes and i tried the myers-briggs and you know all of those other things and man they really just left me with more questions than answers and that's why i ended up doing what i'm doing here with what is your what which is creating a framework Uh, that I believe is very, very simple for one. But two, it actually leaves you with less questions than answers uh, and gives you something that you could literally start with um, today. Give us a little glimpse to
1: your book, a little preview. How can we discover our what?
0: Yeah, it's not nearly as difficult as you might think if you're clear on the framework, which is you got to understand that you have a natural gift and that gift can take various forms for various people. But really, when you come right down to it, you have one gift that is yours, uniquely yours uh, and represents how you are most naturally wired to excel. Now, that could be communicating, that could be teaching, could be healing, could be entertaining, could be protecting, could be enrolling, Uh, you know, one of those things. And there's obviously a lot more, but that's where you've got to start. And frankly, most people go a lifetime without ever figuring out one part of the equation, let alone all three. So if you don't know what your gift is, you know, don't worry about that. I mean, you're certainly far from alone. But once you do know what your gift is, The next question is, what will be the primary vehicle? What vehicle will you use to share that gift with the world? But more specifically, the third part of the equation are the people. And so that's the question then is, who are the people that you're most compelled to serve? And it's the combination of the gifts, the vehicle and the people that comprise the what is your what equation. And that's something that, uh, you know, folks can do. Uh, without reading the book now of course it makes it a lot easier uh, if you read the book and you figure out you know how to get to those answers Uh, but that is the you know that's the what is your what framework in uh, in a nutshell the gift the vehicle and the people you touched on a really interesting point and reminder that everybody in the audience has their
1: strengths has their gifts that they were born with steve let's talk about weaknesses what's the importance of them
0: well, uh, no doubt we all have our fair share of those. And I do believe that most of us spend an exorbitant amount of time doing things that, frankly, just don't fall within the wheelhouse of what we're great at. And I mean, I'm certainly guilty of that. There's you know, no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. But I think at least once you recognize that there is something that you're great at, it means that you can begin eliminating the things that you recognize that you just aren't. And that often means putting them off to someone whose gift and whose primary strength is exactly what your weakness is.
1: Yes, you got to be really self-aware about your strengths and weaknesses. Even if you're really passionate about playing basketball, but you're, I don't know, less than five feet tall, you're probably not going to make it. Or it's going to be really, really hard to make it to NBA. Uh, Steve, I want to come to present day. How does your average day look like?
0: Uh I spend uh, spend a fair chunk of time doing interviews like this and just sharing my teachings with those who uh, who are willing to listen. Uh, still not sure why, but some people seem to want to listen, so I just keep doing these things. Uh, and you know, spend a lot of time teaching and uh, and certainly creating courses uh, to help people. Uh, in various aspects of, of life and, and business that I've, uh, you know, I've found success in. So I try to put those uh, into courses that that help people. Uh, but more importantly, you know, I do get to spend uh, a good chunk of time with uh, with the family and take the kids to school and, you know, make sure I'm at the dinner table every night and you know, those sort of things. But uh, yeah, you know, for me, it's it's really a function of understanding that there's just two ways to use your time. I mean, you can spend your time uh, or you can use, or you can invest your time, right? And so, ultimately, most of us spend most of our time, as opposed to investing that time into something that'll reap meaningful dividends. So I at least try to be consciously aware of how much time I'm spending versus how much time I'm investing.
1: Hmm. Are you struggling with the work and life balance, Steve?
0: Uh, you know, I mean, it's certainly a challenge to spend as much time with the family uh, as I was like, as I would like. And sometimes even when I'm with the family, I'm not really connected because, uh, you know, the phone and the other things that, that keep us wired together. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly a challenge, but I do think that family, like anything else is just something that you need to schedule. And if you can schedule it, uh, then you can certainly make it happen
1: give us some actionable tips and advice besides scheduling how can we manage our time better
0: yeah and uh, and again i really do think that it just boils down to can you schedule what it is that you find most important right and so it's it's a priority issue i mean that's that's the thing is what are the priorities and if the priorities are marketing then for that week then you focus on marketing if the if the priorities are product creation uh, then you spend that time in product creation or, you know, whatever it might be. But I do think that it really boils down to having a game plan and making sure that you work that plan as best you can. Now, of course, life happens to get in the way quite a bit. But, you know, reality is that if you're clear on uh, what your goals and objectives are, then you've got a pretty decent chance of making those happen. Great answer. Steve, I want to wrap today's talk up with the topic happiness. So what brings
1: you joy and really makes you happy?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, man, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. So I've been doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, for, yeah, for a long time, actually a uh, a brown belt under uh, Carlson Gracie. He had a chance to train on the old man before he died and then his son. And uh, now that I'm out in the San Diego area, I've kind of la- I just got a little lax about it. But uh, it's definitely something I'll be getting back into. So that and uh, the occasional uh, swing on the course, you know, and uh, given uh, the golf course reason to fear as soon as I step onto it is usually what happens. But, uh, but you know, trying to just stay outside and ride the motorcycle and spend time with the family. I and mean, those are the main things. Awesome. Steve, what's the best way to find your line and connect with you? Well, yeah, I'd certainly recommend people check out Reinvention Radio if you're into podcasts. You know, you can check that out on iTunes or on Stitcher. Uh, If that's not your bag, then certainly go to Steve Olsher, O-L-S-H-E-R dot com. And uh, and there's definitely a lot of different ways that uh, that you can learn about what I'm doing and and certainly grab the free book and and so on there. Thank you for coming in, Steve Olsher. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to EntrepreneurDecoded.com.